Hi, y'all. Katie Felcoholic. And it is my birthday. And Charlie and I both, we agree that it sucks that we both share the same day. Trust me. It's like, oh, let's all clap for Charlie. Now, if we both shared the same AA birthday, it would be different. But it is a little, we have certain years, the fives are my big one. You know, and I'm 61, just turned 61. I, I personally love getting older. I mean, you know, I'll give it scare. Skin, hair, eyes kind of suck. But uh, what I have here, I'd never give up. You know, I do. I love Bob Bazan's once said, uh, the spirit never grows old, the body does. And that seemed to kind of wrap it up for me. I mean, getting off the ground is a three-point move, I get it, you know. Put one hand down, you kind of kick it up. Then when you stand up, you got to wait a minute, and then you can start walking. <clears throat> got a little bit of that Labrador Retriever feel, you know. Have you ever seen an old dog walk? Every move looks, you know, specific. But we are we are so grateful to be here. And, and, and Glenn and Jane, thank you so much for having us. Uh, it was, I, I love, I love you too, and, uh, if they ask us to do something, we always manage to fit it in. They're very special people in our lives, and look, look what has been created at the second annual. Is that, that's a big deal. <clears throat> this stuff just doesn't come together. I mean, this is a lot of work, and I think sometimes in Alcoholics Anonymous, some of us get very lazy, and we take for granted these events. And I always hate when somebody says, you know, if you got a complaint, go to somebody. If you got a complaint, write an inventory on it, okay? That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. Don't be telling anybody anything. Keep it to yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Um, our home group is the primary purpose group. We're from Austin, Texas. We study the big book line by line, week after week, uh, and we're in our 14th year. We've been through the book, I think, five times, doctor to doctor. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's one of these kind of meetings. The reason I like it so much is it's not, it's not a meeting that you share your experience about the big book. There's nothing wrong with that. But this particular meeting is talking about what the founders found necessary to put in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's studying the text for what the text says to do. It's studying the directions. I love, I love that basic idea because for me, I, I, I didn't have Chris's, uh, story. I came in. I was one of the lucky ones. I found Alcoholics Anonymous, fell in love with you, found out we are a small group of people that have that experience. But the truth of the matter is, is that I came in, fell in love with AA, and that will buy you some grace time. Because the fel- you can stay sober on the fellowship for some time. I don't know how long that is for you. Some people it could be two years. Some people it can be ten years. But we did the steps when we first came into AA. But I misunderstood a ton. Mark Houston was instrumental in our lives. He said, uh-oh, you still with us? He said, hey, that's okay, it's, it's Jane. Uh, so, uh, but Mark used to say, how do you know what you don't know? I mean, that'll give you a brain cramp. I mean, that that is, and I didn't know. And sometimes, you know, there's some bliss in not knowing. But once you get to a certain point, you can't prevent an alcoholic here's solution. They may not know exactly how to get there, but they can hear it in a meeting. And that's what we're drawn to. That's at least what I'm drawn to today. Our meeting has over 250 people studying the big book on Tuesday nights at 730 at 2701 South Lamar. If you're ever in Austin, please drop by. Um, I've been sober since October the 28th of 1984. For that, I am truly grateful. It is five and a half months longer than my husband. 
Thank you. People say time doesn't matter. It damn sure does. I mean, don't you love to ask somebody, so how long you been sober? And when you got more time than them, you're like, They never see that. You just know it. And I always tell Charlie when he's suffering, you know, honey, it'll make a little bit more sense in about five and a half months. Just hang in there. When he, today I told him, I said, my, having 34 years is great. You'll see. Um, Charlie likes to say I'm a little bit like taking a drink out of a fire hose. Once, you know, once I get started, man, I get lathered up and I'm like down flicker because I love, I am passionate about the text, passionate about passing on what I've learned. What I have learned in the last 12 years is more than I ever learned in AA, and I think that that's kind of normal. I think, you know, I've talked to some people who said I got it right from the beginning. I don't believe them. I believe they believe themselves. I don't believe that. I believe this is like growing up. I always like to say, and this is my analogy for what it's worth, I think that between zero and five years is like kindergarten. Right? Kindergarten, you're at school, or, or elementary school. So you're at elementary school, you stay, you eat in the cafeteria with your same grade, the bathroom is connected to the teacher's room, you're not going far. You know, you gotta walk in a line, you know, you don't get to get out of the line, everything's that, right? Then between five and ten years of sobriety, you get to junior high. You got five minutes before class, you get your own locker. You're late, you're in trouble. But you still get to, you know, you get to have anything you want at lunch in junior high. And then between 10 and 15 years is high school. You can go half a day. You can drive to school. You're starting to kind of get, I call those your teenage years. You can't tell somebody between five, really between 10 and 18 years, you can't tell them shit. (laughs) Oh, they act like they're listening. No, they're not listening. They know, they're know-it-alls, right? I know because I was one. And then after 15 years on, you're in college and they don't care if you come to class you're still going to have to pay for it. It's pass or fail. No parents get you out of it, right? And that's what I think sobriety is about. I always say between 18 and 18 months and three years, the person is still working a program based on the abstinence of alcohol. They don't know anything any more than that because it's such a high. Just doing everything is exciting, right? Going to the grocery store is exciting. Waking up in the morning. Oh my God, the sun came up. I wasn't like the vampire at night, you know? I mean, it's different. And then at about 18 months, the ego rebuilds, and they start to get that feeling that, what's it all worth? You know, I've been showing up at my meeting. I get the coffee. They gave me a key, big deal. Used to be a big deal, right? And the next thing you know, between 18 months and three years, all of a sudden, your home group sucks. You're looking around, it's like, oh, big head Doug's going to share again. (laughs) There goes Bandana Brian. Always shares 10 minutes before the meeting's over and goes for 15. (laughs) And what they don't know is what I call the second surrender. That's the third step. I don't believe, and welcome to the new people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you stay. There's no reason to leave. The only reason you would leave is if you're not doing the work. And, uh, cause nothing takes us out except not doing the work. Mark used to say the only difference between me and the chronic relapser is that I, I did what was necessary. They are will nots.
not cannots. They will not do what I had to do. And when he said that, he, he stood firm in his word. Boy, he was the kind of man who, when he spoke, you listened. I was never going to argue with Mark. I disagreed with him, but I wasn't going to argue with him. And uh, and that's one of the things I want to encourage you guys. Get knee-deep in the work right away and realize it won't sustain you when you rest on your laurels, which every one of us will do. And this second surrender. See, the rub in Alcoholics Anonymous, the rub in life, is our gift. Be grateful that you're a hypocrite. It's happiness. See, the minute you begin to realize, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working with somebody right now, they got some good amount of time, and they just, they, they said they're low maintenance. That scares me. I don't know a low maintenance alcoholic. I know, I know somebody that's asleep, but not low maintenance. It's a very dangerous terminology. I think long-term sobriety is seductive. We think we've arrived. Book never says we've arrived. It says we will rest on our laurels, but it, we will never arrive. And so I want to encourage you on this second surrender to open your mind to go deeper and deeper and deeper because this is all about a deep, intimate, personal relationship with the creator of your choice. I don't, I, I'm, I, you know, in the beginning we say higher power. Okay, I'm moving past that because this is about this intimate, personal relationship. If you want to have that, you're going to have to dig deeper. You're going to have to pick some sort of entity, Eastern religion, Western religion, Native American, I don't care. We throw the gates so wide open, you get to pick whatever you want, but find a journey. Because the steps are designed to get you unblocked so that you can have this spiritual awakening. They're not designed for the spiritual awakening. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I worked all 12. Everything's good. It doesn't work that way. And that's why we think it does. I did. I say all these things. When I say we, I'm, so, I'm saying me. The chief and the Indian thing kind of, right? So Dr. Bob said, <clears throat> the directions are clear cut, but every one of us has a different. But what has happened in what I call oral AA is that we've changed the directions. And so that if, if people come and they go, well, that wasn't my experience when I came in. That wasn't what my sponsor did. Okay, well, let's go from the book because we don't want to deviate from the directions. See, we got, do you see how we flipped it without even knowing it? So you're going to, everyone's going to have a different experience, just like we all drank differently. That's why what Chris was saying, the, your war stories, I just tried to do it, uh, I gave somebody a CD for a 12-step call, and, the, and, he, and you know what he latched onto? He said, that guy had six DUIs, I never had one. Because that's always what we're looking for. And, and, and I, at the time, it was, it, it was not appropriate for me to give him the first step talk, because we were at an event that that would not have been the appropriate thing, so Charlie's going to call him. <laughs> But but it was really interesting because that's what we do. So do understand that we're talking about the directions are clear-cut. There's nowhere in the book that says you are to wait any sort of time except making the decision to go on with the work. That's it. Once you've made the decision to go on with the work, then you better get it moving. And I say that shouldn't be more than 48 hours. The third step says we are almost always in collision with somebody or something. And then the 10th step says we've ceased fighting anything or anyone. That's 26 pages. We will run from that, 
We will hide. We will do service work. We will do fellowship. We'll play volleyball. I'm not saying any of those are wrong. But we'll do anything to avoid those 26 pages of work. And I'm telling you, I've always said, if you're not writing inventory monthly and having someone listen to it, you're not writing enough inventory. There is nowhere in the book that says, if you're bugged, you need to write a piece of inventory. See, it needs to be your barometer needs to tell you, is this, did I get the freedom I needed when I called Marty with the 10th step? And if I didn't get the freedom, I'm writing an inventory. I, I write inventory so often, it takes me four minutes. Write it on the back of a napkin. And then call her, and I don't have to meet her knee to knee. We don't have to meet at Starbucks. We don't have to set up an appointment. We're going to do it over the phone. It takes 35 minutes, and I am free. We act like we get to talk trash about people and buy, buy into that, and we don't. It's getting ready to lay this out in the third step. I say the third step is more than a prayer. We tend to rush people through. That's what it was done to me, and, and God loving me did the best he could. But, you know, first is, you think you're alcoholic? Well, I have to be. My God, my world is falling apart. How do you feel about God? I got no problem with God. Okay, let's get down on our knees, do the third step prayer. I remember thinking it was hokey. I thought the word bondage was kind of freaky, you know. (laughs) I mean, I had just quit drinking two days ago. Okay, we don't need to be talking about bondage and God in the same thing. And, uh, you know. And so, and I just remember thinking, I felt nothing. Now, I've seen people feel amazing things. Once again, your experience will be different. But we're going to do it. So I didn't understand the third step. And let me tell you, I think, I call it the second surrender. And for you guys that have 18 months or more, this is when you're going to really have to start waking up. You guys that have time, watch what I'm going to tell you. Look for this. Be awake and aware, because this whole weekend is about the, the text. So I think it's easier to get a drunk to quit drinking than it is to get one of us to quit playing God. It, it really is simpler to quit drinking. We act like quitting drinking was the, was the hardest. That was nothing compared to some of the pain I've been in in sobriety. You know, you start feeling it. Alcohol was the only thing that treated this life based on self-will. See, alcohol's not the problem. Alcohol is the solution. I didn't get that. It says on page 62 that selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think, and we is the first, you know, hundred that wrote the book, is the root of our troubles. I misunderstood that. I thought it said stingy and conceited, and that, that was not me. I mean, I was voted most likable four years in a row in high school. I didn't learn a damn thing, but everybody loved me, okay? That's all that mattered to me. It was social, all social. So if it says selfishness and self-centeredness, what it's trying to tell me is the entire, in the fourth step, it says the world and its people really do dominate us. The world and its people dominate us. In that state, the wrongdoings of others, fancy to real, have the power to kill. Just kill. So think about the world and its people. That's a lot coming at you. And I'm telling you, just watch yourself. The 10 and 11, when when um, Bill does that, it's going to be outstanding because it's trying to wake you up. It's no longer damage control. The 10 and 11 is watching yourself, watching your thinking. You're not responsible for your first thought. You are responsible for anything after that. So my first thoughts are pretty ugly. I don't know about you guys, but if you're awake, they're pretty ugly. 
And so it says self-centeredness, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. That's the first period. So let me give you an example of what that would look like. Say you're sitting in an AA meeting, and all of a sudden somebody walks in and they look over at you, and, and you don't really care for this person. They go, what the hell was that? <laughs> and they go, they go talk to a friend of yours. Oh, that's a problem. Right? And then the friend kind of does that, looks over at you. What, what is going on? Now let me, let me explain that. That is all of a sudden I am now driven by a fear. The mind has to go into the delusion of what is that? What is that? Storyline, storyline, storyline. Got it. Got the storyline. <laughs> now, I think I know that Bob told Bill what I said about Mary and that SOB went and told him. That's what I asked. So now I got to go over there and self-seek and find out and then all of a sudden somebody goes, I didn't tell them what you said. You told me not to tell them. So now I've just stepped on their toes. I've basically insulted their integrity. Because I felt like they, they went and told somebody that something like that. That's how fast it works. How about an email? How many of you have just opened an email and you go... <laughs> and you just down the road. Oh, my God, Facebook. I, I know a lot of you guys do Facebook. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole, you know. But uh, that's what it's talking about. When we are driven, it is like you just go, kick. Story. Got it. Got it. I know exactly what happened. And nobody's moving me off the mark. Then it says, sometimes they hurt us, seeming without provocation, but we invariably, which means always fine, that we've made a decision based on self which later placed me in a position to be hurt. When you call me with a 10-step, I'm going to walk the dog backwards till I find where you had that thought and made that decision, and you're going to... I do remember having that thought now. We, it, it's become such a working part of the mind, we don't even see it. And then we just take off. See, this is in my DNA. I don't think too much of myself or too little of myself. All I think about is myself. <laughs> I filter everything through me. Everything. To who's sitting next to me in the line, who's in front of me in the line, who's waiting on the elevator, who's doing this, oh, here they come, oh my God. You know what I mean? I mean, watch the working mind. It is never stopping. On page 60, it says, you know, we were at step three. And I think what, what they're trying to tell me between the italics of we are at step three and on page 63 where it's in bold print, we are now at step three, is that they're giving us the many different ways that self shows up for people. And then what's on page 63 is just the affirmation. The prayer is just the affirmation. The prayer is by no means the third step. The third step is, is basically two pages of explaining the different ways that self shows up. Then you write the inventory, which is your DNA, your fingerprint. See, the way I show up, and the way you show up may be very different in life. Doesn't make me any less alcoholic than you. It's just that I show up differently. I'm a, I am a strong personality. I have a very loud quiet. <laughs> I saw Charlie's like, you okay, honey? It's like, well, it doesn't feel like you're okay. <laughs> Never said a word. 
But you could be what we call the ego turned inward, where you come into a room like stealth, right? Like those drones. <laughs> then you up and you're out. And the way you show up and the way I show up is totally different. But it doesn't make us any less alcoholic. So now they're getting ready to break it down as into the many different ways that self shows up. Sometimes people want to make this about no other people in AA, I mean other people in the world. We want to normalize our behavior. I am telling you, you bring, you, you go tell your story to the PTA. <laughs> there ain't nothing normal about it. They're not laughing, okay? <laughs> They're like this. But we just want to normalize ourselves. Sure, are people self-centered? You bet. The book tells me I am an extreme example of self-will-run-riot, comma, though I usually don't think so. There's the trap. Me, self-tent? Charlie's self-centered. He's glaringly self-centered. But me, I'm not me. I'm a giver. <laughs> so it says... It says, which is that we decide to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Our will is our thoughts, and our lives are our actions. This is always a cause and effect, period. That's why when, when you're driven by fear, right, resentment is just fear and drag, right? Let's be real clear on that. Fear is not the root of my problem, though. And see, I think people get hung up on that, that fear is the root of the problem. Self-centered fear is, I'm afraid I'm not going to get it, then I get it, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. I'm afraid I'm not going to get the boy, I get the boy, now I'm afraid I'm going to lose him. I'm not going to get the job, my God, I get the job, now I'm going to lose it. It's this miserable game of Pong that we play and we don't even know it because we are driven by the hundred forms of fear. So that self-centeredness that we're trying to get you to is this cause and effect in life. See, if you walk through life and, and you're kind of cowardly like this, you know, you just kind of cower around and you go, nobody wants to be my friend because you're a black hole of emotional need, for God's sakes. <laughs> or if you're just this real, have you ever been around that person that is just super loud? You just want to go, shut up. And you are bringing the heat everywhere we go. And then they go, well, I just can't have close relationships because of that. You have to be willing to see who you are. This is a cause and effect life, root and branch. We have to get down. Most people go through life kind of trimming the branches off the tree. we got to get down to that cause. I love what Chris said that, you know, he goes, well, that guy said, are you going to go mess them up and piss them off? I don't want to do that. You see, we have to be willing to change. There, I, I, I am the sheriff of the world. And it's, I know this is going to shock you, it is no longer working for me. I know. And I mean, I'm not picking up stray dogs. That dog can be on the freeway. I am not doing it. I can see violations everywhere. I'm not going to go over there and give them a ticket. I'm just going to keep them. I mean, my whole life was about throwing flags on the field. Everywhere we went. Now I'm shocked when I actually do it. We were at a conference. The whole conference wasn't quieting down. I couldn't believe it. And it was just killing me not to get up there. I, I, I as a guest speaker, I go, hey, shut up and sit down. This is an AA event. We are losing control here, people. Losing it. <laughs> and I leaned over to Steve was there. Steve Lee and I go, I just wanted to let you know I'm not going to get up and do anything. And he goes, I am so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> 
And, and I loved it. John got up, the taper, and he goes, people, we are trying to have a conference. And, and my biggest fear when I wrote that inventory several times, when I finally got down to what was the fear, the fear was, if not me, who? Who's going to straighten out the world? And they said, they, they, I always love to laugh. Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> I'm not finding it very funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, now when I'm the laugher, I love it, but not when I, they're laughing at and, and she said, oh, honey, somebody else will step in. You just don't let them. Hmm. Never considered that. Now, I will tell you, I am still the cleavage police. And uh, I, I, I'm not in AA. I've not seen any violations today, but I am on the lookout. Uh, and, and, you know, the reason I do that is I don't march over there and shame any girl. I would never do that. I just go over there and go, oh, honey, let me tell you something. I said, you got, you got under boob, side boob. You got all but the nipples showing. And, and let me tell you, I mean, you can get laid in AA. You don't have to be wearing that to get laid in AA. You could wear a potato sack and get laid in AA. And I said, but what happens is, you know, you turn the guys on and you turn the women off. You know, I, t I can promise you, if you got a bunch of boob coming at me, you're not going to be talking to me if my husband's standing there. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a conversation with a girl one time. I said, oh, my, I can't even talk to you. You got so much boob. You know, it's like, good God. You know, we got to get you in that right direction. And so this, this cause and effect, right? This, this problem in AA. Or not the problem in AA. The, the, let's get off the cleavage. Okay. So, this, I swear to God, I have been up since five. I have reapplied my makeup about 19 times. I swear, I was looking in the mirror going, oh, just fluff the hair again. This cause and effect is what the third step is all about, right? If we're going to turn our thoughts and our lives over to the care of God, what does that mean? And it's, I love what it says. It says, just what do we mean by that and what do we do? Fair question straight out of the book. I have to always remember that my external affairs are a demonstration of my inward condition. So whatever I'm doing out here is always what's going on in here. This is an inside job. See, life is not coming at me. It's coming from me. And it says that we spend the next two pages explaining what do we mean, and then it switches to what do we do. So here's what do we mean. The, it says the first requirement that Katie's got to be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. I wasn't. There are days I am not spiritually fit, and I am running on self-will. I'm delusional to think I'm not. Oh, my gosh, I have been so disjointed the last two and a half weeks. We've had some tragedy in my best friend's family that was horrific. I had to fly out there. Then I'm coming here. It's my grandson's uh, spring break, and I just found myself throwing all my disciplines away. Eight, ten, twelve days of that. Let me tell you, I'm edgy. I'm edgy. You do not want to see me in a grocery store. <laughs> I hate grocery stores anyway, and I swear all I'm looking for is violations. <laughs> Move that cart. Go faster. It's too tight of an aisle here. Who put those stupid potato chips over there? For God's sakes, we got mayhem. And I, and I'm, and now I can always tell when I'm not spiritually fit by my drive, and I got to drive past you. I would never shoot you the finger anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm too spiritually fit for that and almost got my ass kicked, so I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> that did help. 
when he physically got out of the car because I got out of my car. It was a bad scene. I don't have enough time to tell you. I'll tell you that on another CD. Okay, so, but I will drive by you and give you the stink eye. And I swear this woman was about 110 and she goes like this. I thought, oh, I, I'm not doing well, not doing well. At all. So when I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, you want me to lay down the only tool that's been working. And, and Charlie said his self-will didn't work that well. Well, mine did. I have a whole storyline of leaving home young, making it through high school. I can talk anybody into anything, and I still can today. You really want me to set that tool down? Not always. Not always. Then it says we were almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motive is good. Oh, now see, so now what we're trying to do is wake you up to behind kind motives. You see, we come into AA and we teach the new guy integrity and dignity and honor and respect. These are crucial things to teach. Crucial. Show up, shut up, sit down, don't pop up and down and get off your god dang phone. Nine people over here were on their phone and you know who you are. You are pissing me off, pissing me off bad. I even told Charlie, I thought, I can't do anything, I'm not spiritually fit. Charlie, tell that guy, tell that, tell him, tell him, tell him. Charlie goes, I'm just going to let him be on his phone, Katie, go read it. <laughs> do not look at your phone during a meeting, during a speaker. Turn the damn thing off. And if that bothers you, write a piece of inventory on it and let me listen to it. Because it's so distracting. You you hold your phone up and you, what is so important? That is an asleep spirit. I can tell you that. Okay, that's my rant. So, yeah, that's an asleep spirit. That's incredibly self-centered and asleep. That you got to look at your phone for God knows what reason. Unless you got a sick kid or you're on a liver transplant list. And so, and that's it. So when we're talking about these kind motives, so now all of a sudden we've been given these kind motives and some people say, well, just check your motives. You know, be sure your motives are good. Let me read that line again. We are almost always in collision with something or somebody even though my motives are good. You see, if I have apprehension anywhere I'm going, I better run it past my sponsor who knows me better than anyone because she's going to say, now, Katie, hold on just a second. Weren't you telling me da 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 yeah, yeah, okay, so, you know, even with sponsees, you know, you think you can come at them and just give them one of these, that's the worst approach in the world. I think we really need to come at this with understanding and effectiveness. And and if you've been dating the, the same guy forever and you're calling me 90 million times, I'm going to say to you, you know, we this is not new information. We've been down this road before, however, till you get connected to the power, you can't leave him. I know you want to leave him today, and we're going to go through this same merry-go-round, and you're going to go back to him for the 29th. Your work is not just constantly, you must take that vigorous course of action through, or else you won't get it. You will not, you, it's, same, you won't, it's, it's the same power that we had to have for not drinking. This is exactly what this is talking about. It says, I don't, see, I always like to say, I don't know I have a kind motive to you don't do what I want you to do. All of a sudden, I'm just a sweet person. I'll let you in in traffic. I kind of need you to give me one of these. Have you ever done that? You let them in? They just, they don't even look at you. They just, and then they let three more people in ahead of you. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, 
Miss Goodwill Ambassador up there. <laughs> or you hold the door for somebody. How about this? You hold the door for them, they're on their phone, they never even looked at you. I mean, I just want to kick their leg out. <laughs> Those thoughts go through my mind. Or this one's one of my favorites. Is when we, we alcoholics are so funny. We, we'll pick up some trash, but we want to pick it up and kind of do this. I'm a giver. A lot of times we say, I've got good intentions, right? Good intentions are the same thing we're talking about. Now, if you're a little confused, that's okay. Because all the third step is trying to do is to wake us up to the many different ways we show up. So it's getting ready to start breaking it down. It says we're the actor running the whole show. We are forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery. Forever. If they didn't want us to stay in this work, to stay unblocked, to follow whatever spiritual path I want to follow, they would never have put forever. They would have said, by now, you're going to be better. Never says that. Says we will become to rely upon it, don't get me wrong. But that's after we've done these disciplines all the time. It's become a working part of my mind, these disciplines. Not because I've got 20, 30, 40 years sober. And, uh, and I love where it says, uh, the next it says, if my arrangements would only stay put. This is my delusion. You know, if, if my arrangements would only stay put, if everyone would do as I wish, the show would be great, damn it. How well have you gotten people to do what you want? And here's the thing. I want you to do this, but then I may change the plans, but I'm not going to tell you, and you need to read my mind. And, and, and here's the thing. If you, if you look at that, the actor running the whole show, if only my arrangements would stay put, sometimes we go to another 12-step fellowship, and don't, I'm not going to ruffle feathers here. I have done it for three years, and I have an experience on every side of AA you could be on. Uh, but we go to this other 12-step fellowship to manage our emotions and our relationships. I'm going to read this line to you again. We are the actor running the whole show. We are forever trying to arrange the light, the ballet, the scenery's players. If only my arrangements would stay put. If only people were Alcoholics Anonymous, big book. It's what it's all about. If your relationship is not working well and you're with another alcoholic or not, use the traditions for that. This is not about managing your emotions. You start to manage your emotions. The next thing you know is when I say no, I mean no. Standing up for myself. Oh, how's that working for you? <laughs> that you're saying no a lot. Right? I don't have to do that. You'll start to do all kinds of things. It says on the bottom of page 19, top of page 20, viewpoints and respect for other people is my guiding light. As an ex-prom drinker, my very life depends upon the constant how I may help meet their needs. There's no, there's no shimmying around. You know, I'm, t I'm just saying that's really, really the tough one there. Here's the toolkit of self-will. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even me, uh, which, as I like to say, just a giver, or mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest, however the case may be. I like to use that example. Charlie and I, we, we travel a ton, as, as most of the speakers do, and, and you're in a lot of airports, and you know how to bust a move. Charlie and I could work an angle in an airport. 
anyway. I could get into the cockpit while they're flying the plane if I wanted to. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I have all the confidence in the world in myself in that area. And, uh, but we're always working an angle. We fly a lot of Southwest and, and so they, and everyone at the airport, Charlie and I are exactly alike. There's no yin and yang. We're the yin and the yin. We're a lot coming at you. And, uh, and when we come into an airport, we're like, The Parkers are here, and uh, so we, and Charlie always goes. We're celebrating Charlotte, you know, or whatever, you know, North Carolina, and, and this one woman we're we a list preferred, and we go up there, and this new gal at Southwest who take they don't turn over very much. It's quite a, quite an airlines to work for, and this new girl gal's at the counter, and she goes, oh, I'll take you. So we get up to her, we're like, hey, 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 yeah, we love Southwest. Now they allow you fifty pounds. And Charlie and I both carry a lot of stuff. And I'm always 52 pounds. I can't shave it off, so shut up, okay? I have tried, and I can't do it. I can't get under 52 pounds. Charlie can't get under 51 pounds. But they love us at Southwest and never give us a problem. Well, this girl's brand new. Charlie puts my bag up there, and she goes, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, that's got that's 52 pounds. And we're like, huh? <laughs> And she, yeah, that, you're going to have to take that out. Oh, I'm not the girl in the airport who unzips her bag. I'm sorry. I am not just going to go, and here's my underwear, and here's this. And so I, I go, really? And I reach down in there. I pull out my curling iron, right? And I take my curling iron. I put it in my carry-on bag over my shoulder, right? The cord's hanging down, and I am pissed. Charlie puts his bag up there, and she goes, sir, yours is at 51. And he goes, really? Really? He reaches in his bag and he pulls out a loafer, right? And he's sticking his, his loafer shoe in the top of his briefcase. And there's no more Mr. and Miss Nice Guy. And I mean, when we walked away from her, we were just like, what a, I can't believe that. I swear to God, we're never going back to her window again. And my little cord's hanging out of the back of my bag, Charlie's shoes in the top of his. And we're walking and I looked at him and I went, oh my God, that was the toolkit of self-will, honey. Now, I'd love to tell you I got some spiritual giant moment here. My bag still weighs 52 pounds. I'm just never going to her window, okay? So, uh, there, you know, spirituality is constantly growing. But do you see how that toolkit showed up? I go up there and I don't even know I'm working an angle until she tells me I got too much weight in there. That's how it works. I'm telling you, when you wake up and watch for it, I live on page 61 with my sponsees. They call me. I am the suicide hotline. You can sponsor any way you want. I'm not going to be in your wedding. I'm not going to throw you a baby shower. If you do that, more power to you. I can't do that because I lose perspective. If I get that close to you to where we're best friends, all of a sudden I don't like the clothes you're wearing, I don't like the boy you're dating, and I don't have a perspective. I lose perspective. So that's how I sponsor. You call me, we are the suicide, I am the suicide hotline. You call me with a problem. So this is where we live. So what happened, right? You're calling me with the problem. The show doesn't come off very well. She begins to think life doesn't treat her right. That's where the self-pity comes in. Just think about it. In the last four days, when did life not treat you right? This morning? We don't have to go far to search it out. I decide to exert myself more. This is where I'm driven by that fear. She becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious. There's that toolkit of self-will, juking through, as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit me. Admitting I may be somewhat at fault, others are more to blame. 
That's where that ridiculous line, my part, came in. That's nowhere in the book. It's faults and mistakes, faults and mistakes. And so I've got to see this. So this is where we live. So what you do is you bring me the problem. I'm not even interested in you finding the solution. I don't want your solution. Because now your ego has to just look good. Bring it to me. Bring it to me warts and all, man. We will walk that dog backwards till you see where you made that decision based on self. And it's like the, it's like focusing a camera and all of a sudden the picture comes crystal clear. I see exactly what I was doing. Wow. Wow. It's magic. It says she becomes angry. There's column two. Indignant. There's column three. And self-pity. There's column four. This is setting us up for inventory. This third step is trying to wake me up to the many different ways that self shows up. And I, uh, people always say, well, I have high-end problems. Well, you, you better. You better. You've been sober long enough. You should be able to keep a job, for God's sakes. If you keep getting fired, that is not God's will, okay? <laughs> oh, I have that. I had somebody tell me one time, well, I, I got fired, and I, it was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. I said, oh, stop right there. Stop. <laughs> Trust me. You got yourself fired, Okay. But, you know, I mean, what God, when it says God's doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that's changing my heart. That's what the book's trying to imply that is, is that I have become somebody with compassion, sincere compassion. When I can see that I could be either guy in this play, I am on a spiritual journey. I am spiritually fit. When you piss me off and I immediately see that I could have been either person in that play, and I no longer take it personally. Now, that's when I am in good, fit, spiritual condition. Today, not so much. (laughs) I said the the fifth reapplying of the makeup, I looked at myself and I went, oh, for God's sake, back to this being a privilege. It's a privilege. That's the truth. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, Candace, you know what I'm talking about, girl. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. That's my sister over there. Um, So, and then it says, so what's the basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? I had a good motive. I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to be helpful. Right? And I love this this new term that we use. It's like, well, I'm just a real people pleaser. Oh. Hmm. Okay, well, listen. Why don't you bring in all the people you've pleased and let's line them up against this wall over here. And let's ask them how much they enjoyed you being in their life. What you are is an approval sucker, right? You're the chameleon. Oh, I like that. No, I don't like that. Is that what we like today? What, what do we want to get? Oh, oh my God. And then I love where it says, is he not a victim of the delusion? Now this should be, you know, I give, I give some people grief. They put, they tattoo acceptance and, you know, spirituality and this big bold print on their arm. And I'm like, really? So when you're, when the shit's hitting a fan, you go, okay, acceptance. That's what I got to do. This is what should be tattooed on your arm. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he just manages well? Well, let's break that down. Is he not a victim? Out of the 1932 dictionary, we use that to study the book because the words meant they were different back then. Victim means tricked or duped by your delusion. Wait till you hear this one. An impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is accepted as reality. Typically a symptom of a mental disorder. (laughs) Yeah, there's no denial here. This is delusion, that I believe it no matter what you say. You could even prove it to me. 
and I don't believe it. That's what a delusional mind does. And then it says can rest, which means to seize by force, satisfaction, being right, and being happy. You see, when somebody says, would you rather be right or happy, that statement makes me crazy. I want to slap you. I really do. Because I'll tell you the right answer. But I want both. I want to walk away from this. When Charlie and I are in a fight, I want to walk away right and happy. It says the victor only seems to win at war, although his moments of triumph are short-lived. <clears throat> and then it also says in the 12 and 12 that we are incapable. that just make your butt pucker? <laughs> it should. Think about that. You're incapable. It doesn't say it's going to be a lot more work for you. You're incapable of forming a true partnership with another human being. That means a sponsor, a neighbor, a sibling, a husband, a wife, a child. That's how hard we have to work at this, guys. Let me tell you, you really want to find out how you're showing up in life? Take three of the most important people in your life and sincerely sit each one of them down. Tell me three things about myself I could do. I had a man do that in Canada. I always love when somebody comes back to me the next day, and he was crying, and he said, he said, oh, I think most everybody in this room would be shocked. See, we think we blend. <laughs> next time you're in a conversation with people outside of AA, do not judge how well you're doing in here, okay? <laughs> in the world. The next time you're in a conversation, look for this. When you're saying something, and they go, you're going to start seeing that a lot. You know, you just, you just, whack. Well, then there's that. We think we blend, and we don't. I'm, t I'm here to tell you we don't. We blend in here because we're all so self-centered. Right? I mean, you know, if somebody walks by, you, if you see glaring self-centeredness, maybe. But that's, that's what it's trying to tell us. And then, uh, you know, I, and I always like to say, you know, when you say, would you rather be right or happy, you're telling me the promise. And you're asking me to work the promise and hope the step comes true. I get what you're trying to say, but if you don't work me through the process, I cannot achieve that promise. So you must work the step. You must get me to see where self is showing up. Not in being stubborn because I want to be right and happy, but what's driving me? What old idea is driving me that I will die on this hill? See, I'll kill both of us. I mean, you get in a fight with Charlie, and I, Charlie will know. He'll go, hey, 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 I give, I give, I give. And he goes, you are about that big and you scare the crap out of me. That's the whole idea. And then it says, is it not evident to all the rest of the players these are the things she wants and don't his actions make each of them wish to snatch and retaliate everything they can out of the show? You see, when, when somebody is doing it to me, trying to steal the, the, the light, I'm going to try to snatch everything. When it's reversed, they're trying to snatch everything. And, and then it says, isn't, isn't it true that even in his best moments, he's a producer of confusion rather than harmony? That is exactly what we look like. Everything's falling apart. This isn't what I meant to have happen. Then what happened here? I don't really want, I want to hear your take, but I'm going to give you my take on it. I want to read this 10th step, and I'm not stepping on your toes, Bill. I, uh, this is a 10th step that will give this third step 
some some meat, okay? Because this is what this is going to. You're going to do four through nine, right? That vigorous course of action. Do that house cleaning. And then you're going to live in the disciplines of 10 and 11, which is 10 is really four through nine condensed. So you never really get out of them. I don't care if you call it a four step, a fifth step, 10 step. I don't care what you call it. Just do it. So my husband, I lost my husband, unfortunately, to this illness. He went out after 23 years sober, ended up dying of a heroin overdose. Devastating. Devastating. Charlie was my best friend. I made a move on Charlie. Uh, obviously, we got past that, but we, I mean, when we first kissed, we were banging teeth. He was coming in hot. It was a really, wow. It, it was one of those things where you're, I'm in my head going, what am I doing? And Charlie was like, what? This is all so wrong. He was like my brother. It was like kissing your brother, wasn't it, honey? It was weird. It was, well, that was my experience. Okay, so. So. My husband was a very sick man. He'd had hep C. We'd done the interferon, the old interferon. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. He had a brain tumor. It was benign. He was supposed to live. It was, it was just rough time. We were raising a family. He used to let me, when I was at the doctor's office, and I was the sheriff, I'm in untreated alcoholism. I'm 15 years sober. And I mean, I got my pad and paper in that doctor's office, and I'm talking. And he just sat there. Let me tell you this, and let me tell you this, and this is what he's doing, and I took notes, and we'd walk out, and I would just guide him. That worked for us. You may not dig that, but it worked for us, okay? That does not work on Charlie Parker. So when we go into the doctor's office, he runs the show. Now, I, I don't get to run the show, and, and that took a, quite a bit of time for me to get my brain wrapped around that. And he walks in, and he's like this, hey, Mary, how's the kids? They still play in ball. I'm like, oh my God, we got 15 minutes in this doctor's office. Come on, let's get this shit rolling, okay? We gotta, you know, this is it. These doctors don't want to sit there and visit with you for an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying. Charlie has a little throat scare, a little cancer throat scare. He's one dysplasia away from having cancer, but we gotta go get his throat scoped every three months for the last, what, six years. Okay, so we, we, we're doing this. Well, this day I'm not very spiritually fit. Okay, suck it up. There it is, there it is. And I'm not very spiritually fit. We make a whole day of it. We leave at 6 a.m. in the morning. Our appointment's at 8.30. It's 70 miles away. We go to our favorite breakfast restaurant after the doctor's office. Then we go to this little shopping center. We have a blast together. That's what we do every time, every three months. Well, this particular day, I don't know I'm not very spiritually fit. I don't know. Because it's like a straw when it breaks. Are you with me on that? And then all of a sudden, you're even shocked that you're behaving this way. You're like... And there, and it's like slow motion. And you're just, oh, my God. And so she comes in, and she's, they ask the same questions before they scope, and they say, have you been using much nose spray? And he goes, no, 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 he uses nose spray. I swear to God, every five minutes. We were doing a big book study. You'll hear it on the CD. He's having a conniption because he can't find his nose spray. He, somebody from the audience has to bring him nose spray. I have it documented, people. So... And it was like dope, so now we have a prescription to it. Thank you, stupid man in the audience. Um, so, and then they say, do you clear your throat very often? He clears his throat all morning long. I mean, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 no. And, and I'm sitting over there because I have to be quiet. And uh, she walks out, and I look at him, and I had had it. And, and I got up, and I said, you are a big, fat liar, Charlie Parker. And I swear, he came out of that chair like the Incredible Hulk. He goes, Kenny! <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, 
okay. That's how it's going to be. Game on, brother. And I grab my purse and everything, and I mean, I am doing that uncontrollable crying. You ladies, you know it. It's humiliating. It's painful. But I can't stop it, and I am out of here, Mr. And I get ready to walk out, and Dr. Simpson's walking in, and he goes, Whoa, whoa, Katie, Katie, you okay? I'm no. So I go into the front lobby, and I mean, I can't stop. I pick up a thing, try to... And I thought, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta get in touch with my sponsor. Well, my sponsor knows we're there. Why? Because I talk to my sponsor about three times a week. I am 34 years sober, people. I talk to her three times a week. You know why? I want to stay spiritually fit. I do not want to be in the bondage of self. I will do anything to be in the bondage of self. I hate the bondage of self. And by the time I picked up a drink, let me tell you, it would be the solution, not the problem. And so I'm not, I don't do this because I'm afraid of drinking. I do this because I don't want to live in that darkness. I have lived in that darkness. And my sponsor works in big high criminal court. And unfortunately, you know, she can't, you know, tell the judge. Uh, the, Katie's calling. God. <laughs> recess. And uh, and I even asked the judge. And the judge was like, no, Katie, we can't recess for your calls. I'm like, fine. So I have to text. I'm not a fan of texting. I think texts are for facts, not feelings. So don't misunderstand this text. It just happened to be this day, okay? So here it is. Marty, I need a new toolkit for a sick husband. We're at the doctor and I just left the room. I can't stop crying. I must sit there and be submissive. See, there, there's the old idea. Do you really ever see me being submissive? <laughs> but in that moment, I swear to God, I believe I'm going to become submissive. I believe it. That's why I'll kill both of us. <laughs> I can't do that. He does not give them enough information. Boom! She calls me right away. Did I wake you up? Good. Okay. Marty, this is how she always starts. She goes, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. It must be so painful. And then she goes, oh, bam! I'm sure he's scared, maybe even terrified. None of this is about you. How can you be helpful? Are you in the doctor's office treating him like he knows nothing? Are you the doctor police? How are you coming off when you're giving information to the doctors? Are you smugly superior? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay? So this is what, I swear to God, I text her back, I went, yes. <laughs> what scared me was that I instantly stopped crying. It actually almost felt crazy. And, and I'm not crazy, people. I work with crazy women. I am not crazy. I can act crazy, but I'm just an alcoholic. I do not suffer from anything but alcoholism. But she turned those waterworks off just like a hose. And then she says, stepping on his toes, are you? Well, if not, you who? All cloaked in a good motive. You have all the tools, hon. Just use them. I know hospitals and doctors are some traumatic stuff for you, and you go on super high alert. This is a new day. And let me tell you, the best part of that, I sent her back, I said, thanks. The best part of this is Charlie walked out. This happened in about three minutes because the tenth step says to do it quickly. Everything's urgent in the tenth step. Immediately talk to somebody. And he came out, and he goes, come back in. Had I not done this, you see, my pride will not let me walk back in concrete. That's what I got for him. I'm not doing it. And then it would have been miserable. That's the bondage of self. Instead, I went over there and hugged him. We walked back in. I swear Dr. Simpson loves us, but he is scared of death of me. And he goes like this. He goes, 
You okay? <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about, guys. This, this, this third step is waking us up to the many different ways self shows up. And that right there, I was completely free. I was so free at that moment that when we stopped at the mall, I called my son because I ride my son pretty hard. I don't like the way he takes care of his health. I don't like a lot of things that he does as far as health-wise. And I'm scared to death I'm going to lose another one of you goddamn men to not taking care of yourself. But then it seems I'm the one in the ambulance and not Charlie. So don't even go there. But um, And so I called my son and I said, you know what, sweetie, I, I, I realize I think I'm, I'm really riding you too hard when I need to be supporting you. And I started crying. You know, it woke me up to, let me see where else I'm doing this. I don't want it to just be like this, guys. I want my world to open so shine through me that I can have this incredible compassion. And I love where it says, it says, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. Right? So if I want to be free, the problem has got to be me. They arise out of ourself, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Extreme example, Will. says many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we can't live up to them. You see, you can't just change your mind to do better. It doesn't work that way. The same way you couldn't change your mind to quit drinking. This is all being connected to the power. I'm merely the vessel to help you get connected to the power. I am not the power. But if you don't get connected, you can't do it. It says in the 11th step to pause when agitated or doubtful. Pause, ask, remind, and say. You see, this is a working part of the mind. That is a promise. You have to pause the first few times on your own, but then it becomes a part of the spiritual growth. You will become to rely on this, but these disciplines must be done. I have a 10-step a, a CD out there of Mark Houston, 10 and 11. It's my favorite. It woke me up. Bill will wake you up this weekend. Don't miss what we're talking about, the depth of these disciplines. Not every day is it going to feel good. It'd be ridiculous to think that prayer and meditation every day feels like you just levitated. You know what I mean? No, it's like whatever, but it will get there. And it says, when it says moral and philosophical convictions, I gotta tell you, in sobriety, my kids are 10 years apart. I have never been slapped in the face. I've never been hit, uh, before as a woman. I know that shocks some people, but I hadn't. And, uh, I know, I, it shocks me too. And I, I wasn't bobbing and weaving either, okay? So I never have been. And I, I, but I spank my kids. I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay with spanking. I'd spank you in the line at Disneyland, man. Uh, pop, 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 pop. I'd take you on down. I got no problem with spanking. But I slapped both my children in the face in sobriety. And no, and they're 10 years apart, so it was at two very different times. No one was more shocked than I was. Did it one time to each kid. When I did it to the first one, I, I, I could have, I would have bet on a stack of Bibles I'd never do it to the next one. And I couldn't believe it. That's what untreated alcoholism looks like for me. When I'm walking around and I'm not treating my alcoholism with these steps every day, 10 and 11, disciplines of 10 and 10 and 11, 10 and 11, doing the work in 12, 10 and 11. Then I'm not doing it. And I am liable to just drift. And then it says, <clears throat> oh, I like to say self-knowledge or awareness, whatever we want to call it. You've got to be doing it. 
is important to see what's driving me, my values, my old ideas. It's all in that third column of a four-column inventory or in the self-will of a fear inventory or in the harms to others in the conduct from the sex, sex activities or just your conduct. It's all in there. Otherwise, you go to self-reliance and then you try to fix it on your own. See, this self-reliance will always fail us when we want to get what we want to get. We may get something and wish we didn't get it. That happens to us most of the time. The fourth step is a consideration of how we show up. That's what Charlie's going to do, a beautiful job of that tomorrow. It says, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, this decision, this third step decision, it could have little or permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. This is what we're talking about. This third step decision, unless followed at once, won't touch us. You guys over there, hear what I'm saying. This must be done quickly. I don't know how long you can stay sober. Some of us can stay sober longer than others, but I'm not playing that game of Russian roulette. You get in, you get. we're going to be doing the work right away. So then it says, that's the end of what do we mean? Then it says, what do we do? And this is what I'm going to end on, guys. It says, we had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? Didn't work. And how many times do we have to see it didn't work? For we, about eight million, eight million times. Next, we decide, now here's the decision. The prayer is the reiteration of the decision that God was going to be our director. He's the principal, we're his agent. And I love what the word agent means. It says, to empower to act on his behalf. You see, I am not here to tell you what car to drive, what boy to date, what clothes to wear. I am here to be the vessel to get you connected to those. I do not want to manage your life. It's hard not to. I do want to slap the crap out of you sometimes, but you know what I mean. When we sincerely took such a position, what position that I'm not going to play God? Oh, that's not easy, guys. It rolls off the tongue, but it's not easy. All sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we need. Here's the terms of the deal. If we keep close to him and perform work well. In order to keep close to him, i got to get close to him. In order to get close to him, i got to get unblocked. You cannot get close to God just by reading spiritual literature. It's like chicken soup for the soul, AA. Little sticky note, you're beautiful. I love you. I'm not saying those are bad practices, but they won't touch me when I'm not doing I've got to. And then in order to, it says, and then take care of, basically perform his work well, take care of his kids. These are not too hard a terms to follow, guys. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, let me tell you, we are being robbed of our peace of mind, myself included. I, I, I can fall into this and watch one more kitty video. I'm, oh, my God. And But I'm telling you, electronic devices are robbing us. You Think about how many times you look at your phone a day. What would happen if you turned to God every time? said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just say a little prayer. It's amazing little things we could do. The rabbit holes that we go down electronically. There's a game called Candy Crush. Get off your phone. That is, that's like smoking. It's a tough one. And binge watching Netflix. Just binge watching. Try to watch one episode, okay? And turn off the TV. It's flipping recorded, okay? And, and we will just, we will exhaust ourselves at night. One more, one more. 
as we discovered we could face life successfully, these would be the promises. As we've become conscious of his presence, fair questions to ask yourself. Turn statements into questions. Do you feel God's presence? This is about an intimate, personal relationship with the Creator. It is a love affair. Are you having a love affair with the God of your understanding? I am. I love it. Open that path. Am I like that every day? Of course not. 90% of the time, yes, I am. I'll take it. And it says... As we become conscious of his presence, we begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. Praying for God's will is easy, but accepting God's will is not so easy. I'm telling you, I'm here talking to middle management. I mean, the new guy is clearly the blood of AA, but without the oxygen, you will not make it. If you're not in the book, please get in the book. I'll see you on the fire lines. Thank you very much.